0: Amen and that is a good prayer to have. I loved those words in that song that we may be weak but the Spirit of God who lives in us is powerful and some of you need to to hear those words today too. Maybe you've been struggling in life and the Holy Spirit lives within you and empowers you to walk in newness of life and so we will fail, but God never will. I think that's a beautiful promise in that in that particular song. Let's open up our Bibles to Roman I mean to Luke chapter twelve. Luke chapter twelve this morning. We are through Advent and we're back into Luke. And so we want to be focused in on this particular passage this morning. We're going to continue our way through Luke in the days ahead. Do we have something up there? There we go. Are you ready? Uh, that's the good title for this particular passage this morning in Luke chapter twelve, thirty-five to thirty-eight. Now, but let me put this in the context. Let me reach back into our Luke series. We've we've gone back to the early part of Luke and focused on Advent the last few weeks, and so we want to get back into where we are in Luke. If we think back to the passages that precede this, we have back in chapter. 12, verse 13, the parable of the rich fool, where Jesus says there in verse 15, to take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Then it talks about the rich fool in that passage, but be on your guard. And then we get into the verses that follow, chapter 12, verses 22 and following, and he begins to talk about anxiety and about worry in life. And look at verse 22, where he brings a focus there. And says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now think about those two verses. He says, I want you to be on your guard about covetousness. And I want you to be not anxious about this world in which you live. Seek first the kingdom. And all these things are going to be added unto you. Now, in verse 35, we're going to see these words about being ready. About being ready. Um, in the English Standard Version, it says, stay dressed for action. And in, I think it's in the New American Standard, be dressed in readiness. And so this is the focus today, it's about being ready. And it's going to be really a focus on the Lord coming back. And so we want to be dressed in readiness. So be on your guard, don't be anxious. Be dressed in readiness. That's the flow that we're picking up as we move through this passage today. Now, my my son is 21 now, but there were many years that he played Little League Baseball. And I'm certain a number of you may have had kids in Little League Baseball, or one day you'll have kids in Little League Baseball, I mean, whatever it might be. But working with kids in Little League Baseball was really difficult. You know, you, you could have kids that are out in the outfield, and they got their glove on top of their head, and they're looking around, or they're, you know picking dandelions for their mom, whatever it might be. So one of the things you try to work with with kids is to be in ready position. And so ready position was to be down like this and to have your glove and your hand ready to go. So, I mean, you could just be moving. Some people would even say, put one foot in the back of the other so you're ready to move forward. And so kids would oftentimes drop their hands to their knees. No, 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 no. Get in ready position. And so as a coach... Oftentimes, that's what we were yelling one million times. And that's no exaggeration. In a game, one million times. Ready position, and you would try to get your team ready. Because whenever the action starts, they needed to be ready for it. If there are gloves on top of their head, and the ball comes flying out the center field, and they're, you know what's going to happen. No, get in ready position. Doesn't matter where you are, be ready. The same is true in fishing. I, I've fished probably a million hours <laughs> in my life, and that's no exaggeration. Just ask my wife. I mean, I love to fish, but you know, a lot of times on the lake, it's just constant. It's it's fishing. That's why they don't call it catching for a reason, because you're fishing and you spend hours fishing and nothing's happening. But you have to maintain as a fisherman a constant alertness. Because when it happens, you want to be ready. And so there's a ready mentality as a fisherman as well. And that's what Jesus is calling the disciples to in this particular passage. Now, the focus is on his coming again. Look at the end of our passage um, in verse, actually, look in verse 40 there. You must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So that's going to be his focus. It's going to be his coming back again. And so that's what we're, he's calling us to be ready for. Now, we've got, we've got a couple of points that we want to look at. We've already did all this right here. Let me see. Is, is this working? Am I pointing in the right direction? Is this me operating or is it you back there? I'm operating. Okay, perfect. I'm actually operating this. This is good. There's some kind of delay in my slides, I think. So we're, okay, now be dressed in readiness. Now let's just, there we go. Get me going to the next one. So our first point is going to be found in verses 35 to 40. And it's simply, we need to be prepared for his coming. So today, you may see me standing up here with an Alabama tie on. That's not the most important thing that I have on. I have my, perhaps today, belt buckle on. Now, some friends of mine made this for me because I would tell them back when I was in college, I had this brass belt buckle, had a trumpet going through it, perhaps today. If you were to look in my college notes, besides seeing the name Linda Miller in the margins, who I did not marry, I got I married much better than that, I got Joanie Martins, But you would see Linda Miller all in my notes, in my column, my freshman year. But then you would also see in there a trumpet drawn with perhaps today. Now, this is late 70s. You know, in the late 70s, the church was very much more focused in on the Lord coming back. This was the time of Thief in the Night and Distant Thunder movies that came out. This is the time where you wore brass buckles, brass belt buckles with a trumpet going through it and perhaps today and I'm bringing it back. I'm bringing it back. <laughs> this is a fashion statement here perhaps today and so that's why I have my belt buckle on today is because this we're going to be looking at being prepared for his coming. Now let me read this passage for us. I want to go all the way through it and then we're going to look at our two points that we want to have here. We simply want to look at be prepared for his coming and be faithful as you await his coming. Those are our two simple points that we want to make today. Chapter 12, verse 35. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. So that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you. Get this, I think Jesus said that. Get this, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord doesn't answer his question directly. He simply goes on and says, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you he will set him over his possession all his possessions but if that servant says to himself my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful and that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Let me pray for this passage. Lord, we open up your word here. And this is the second time this morning. We have already read there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus And now we read about servants and the response they receive from their master when he returns. And it's different. So Lord, I pray that you would help us in light of no condemnation to also be aware of our responsibility to you. So Lord, would you work in our midst today? Would you open our hearts to receive? Would you meet us right where we need to be met? For your name's sake. And for your glory. So we give this time to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, in this first section, be prepared for his coming. What we have here are what I would call three images. And they're they're given really quickly. And then an unexpected twist. At least when I read it, it's like, whoa, didn't see that coming. And then a final exhortation. So three images, an unexpected twist. And then a final exhortation. So we want to look right now at his three images. So we're going to see each one of these. Now remember, verse 40, all of these images are focused on the Lord's return. For you do not know when the Son of Man is going to return. So the first image, verse 35a, stay dressed for action. That's the English Standard Version. Be dressed for readiness in other versions that you might have. Basically what is being said is dress appropriately. In other words, when we think about ready position on the baseball field, a ready mentality when you're in the boat, there's also a readiness that we are to have as we await the Lord's return. Now, literally, maybe if you even have a King James Version, it might say something like this, let your loins stay girded is what the idea is. That means nothing to us. That's why it says, stay dressed for action, because that's what let your loins be dressed for uh, readiness actually means. Um, so here we have, just in case, you have a desire to understand what it means to let your loins stay girded. I found this little image right here. So you think about the, the more in the that ain't, that Near Eastern world, what we would even call today the Middle East. Over, so over in Israel, flowing garments. And so you would, you would have these robes that would be on. But when you needed to be ready for action, to actually take up running, what they would do is bring these things up, strap them, tie them up so that their legs would then be free for running. And that's what Jesus is saying here. In other words, don't be wearing the long robe and not be ready. You be ready because action is about to happen for you. So they were, when they ran, they pulled these things up and Jesus said, you need to be ready like that. Stay dressed like that is what Jesus is saying. It's interesting, even back in the book of Exodus, when all the plagues were happening and the Israelites were about to be let go from the nation of Egypt so that they could go and enter the promised land. It's interesting, even when they came to that last Passover meal, it says this, in this manner you shall eat this meal with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Now imagine that. I mean, staff in hand, sandals on, belt fastened. Have your loins girded for action. Why? Because before long, Pharaoh's going to come. He's going to say, get out of here, and I want you ready. So even have your staff in your hand as you eat. And so that's the kind of readiness that Jesus is talking about here. And so the first image that we have is stay dressed for action. Then we have an image that says, keep your lamps burning. Or we might say, have strong batteries in your flashlight if we were to just bring a a modern-day understanding of this. In other words, don't be caught in the dark. You have a duty to do. Make sure you have a flashlight ready to go. And when I was reading this, I was thinking back to the years back when I was in college. I used to do a lot of squirrel hunting. I love squirrel. I know that sounds bizarre to some of you, but you give me a squirrel back legs fried with some potatoes, and I'm a happy man, or some squirrel soup. So I used to go out and just get a lot of squirrels, and one day, This squirrel was running around a tree, so there there is a hunting to squirrels. They don't just sit there and say shoot me. They run around the tree, and that's so you've got to either stay in place and be patient and wait for them to stick their head out. Bam, you got them. But I was kind of watching. I was moving around this tree with this squirrel because I was getting irritated. But there was this big hole in the ground that I kept having to move around as well. And so finally, curiosity got the best of me, and I found a cave down there, an abandoned coal mine. And I slid my way into that, found this cave, had flashlights, brought friends, and we went through the cave. And then one day, our batteries went out. We are in this cave, and I've got these several college students with me. And I'm in the cave, and our batteries are out. And I'm the leader of the group. I mean, I felt horrible. And so we had one batter, one, one flashlight that still had a little bit of juice, but it wasn't enough to shine, um, shine on the wall. You know, the moral of that story is, have extra batteries. Now, just in case, you, you know I'm still alive, so we made it. I mean, our batteries, our batteries went out. And as we were laying there in the darkness, we felt the cool breeze. And I knew where the cool breeze was coming from. It was coming from the opening. And went over this little dirt mound, and then I saw the moonlight coming down through the hole. We got everyone over the dirt mound, and we crawled back up the hole, and we were surviving. But anyway, the point is, we were in a very dangerous place. And Jesus says, you keep your lamps burning. You maintain that kind of readiness because you never know. When the Son of Man is going to be coming back. We get a third image as well. And there, back on it. Uh, that, that, whoop. Can you make sure I get on it? Be waiting. Be waiting is what it says in verse 36. And, so, straight dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes. And knocks, And so you get this image, and especially when I travel overseas, a lot of these homes are, they have walls around them with glass on top, they have gates that have to open up, and oftentimes they have someone who stays at the gate all day long just waiting for people to come in. It amazes me. I'm thinking, why this would be cool to have at my house a little gate um, office where someone sat and just waited for people to come up, and then they opened up the gate for them. Well, these people who have these homes or these businesses with that person in that guardhouse watching the gate they expect when they drive up the gate's going to be opened and so they drive up to their driveway and they're just waiting for that gate to open it doesn't open so they hit the horn <clears throat> and then they're still <clears throat> I mean that, that servant let's just use that word is supposed to be there and open up that door And that's what Jesus is saying here, so that when the master comes home, you're there to open up the door, because that's your job, and you want to be found in that kind of ready position. And so you've got these three images, stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, be waiting, but be prepared for what? Well, if we understand the context of what's going on in Luke, we need to be ready for Jesus' mission This isn't just waiting for some day that's out there, but this is even now. Having Jesus' eyes as you look at the world, the unexpected twists that come your way, the things that happen for you, to be able to look at those things in light of the greater work that Jesus is doing in this world, but also to be living in such a way that you are anticipating your master's return. But then there's this unexpected twist that happens in our next slide. I'm going to just leave this to you guys. Next slide. You guys can make it happen. Would that be good? Perfect. The next slide is this unexpected twist that takes place. See, and the reason I call this an unexpected twist is listen to these words. Truly, I, I, mean, I mean, verse one thirty-seven. blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you. He will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table and he will come and serve them. And if he comes in the second watcher and the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. I didn't see that coming. And my mind went back to John chapter 13 when Jesus had all the disciples gathered at a table and he girded up his loins probably at that moment and he got down and he washed their feet. And Peter said, no, Lord, not my feet. Because they didn't see that coming. And I didn't see it coming that simple, simple obedience to the master would bring about a great feast being thrown for the servant. The servants are simply doing what servants do. And yet as a reward they are given an, an amazing feast especially if it's the second and third watch between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. I once had a job to patrol the campus when I was in college. And I'll tell you what I was doing between 9 p.m. and 3 a.m. I was sleeping somewhere. And then I would wake up and continue my rounds. I was, the, I was a horrible night watchman for the campus. Supposed to be on the alert. in there was an intruder and I was probably under some tree taking a nap at that point in time. And so especially... Blessed are those servants. The long time of Jesus' is coming. How many years have you walked with the Lord and been expecting Him to come back? Jim, how many years have you been walking with the Lord? Huh? 35. And I'm supposed to be in ready position. That would get to your back, won't it? on the baseball field, ready position for 35 years, but yet we're to maintain this kind of readiness for the Lord to come back. And when he comes, there's this great feast, and that's an unexpected twist. But then Jesus gives this final exhortation. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. That's a duh statement. I mean, anyone that's ever had their house robbed, if you would have known exactly what time it was going to be robbed, what would you have done? You would have been there. And you would have been ready. But Jesus says, have that kind of mentality. Have that kind of mentality. You also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. So you need to be ready for this. So perhaps today is the, the, the idea that we have, the belt buckle, the trumpet, be thinking about these things. And maybe you've lost a perspective of that. And you aren't seeing all of your life in light of the fact that Jesus is coming back. Jesus says, be ready for that. You live with expectation. You have proper attire on. You keep batteries in your flashlights. You be that person who's ready For his return. But there's a second point. Be faithful. Not just be prepared. Not just be ready. But be faithful as you await his coming. So Peter asked this word. Lord are you telling this parable for us or for all? See as we look at the context right now. In chapter 12 verse 22. You see the immediate context is. And he said to his disciples. So he's talking to them about being ready. And Peter says, well, is, is this for just us or for everybody? Well, Jesus is just going to continue on. I've already told you to be prepared. Now I'm going to tell you to be ready. Now, towards the end of this, he does bring a focus to a greater accountability for those who have been given greater knowledge. And so we'll see that in just a moment. But now Jesus is going to talk about faithfulness and then what his response is going to be Based on that faithfulness of the servant. So these verses right here. Verses 41 through 48. We have to read with one verse in the back of our mind. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Anything that Jesus says here is not about losing salvation. It's not about his chastisement being poured out on you. You lousy servant you. But there is a point that Jesus wants us to get. We're not just to be ready. But we're to be actively serving him. And living for his purposes in this world. It's not going to give us condemnation. But how do we say it in a way that fits the context? Reward and loss of reward. Whatever might be the case here. Jesus is going to give a parable. And you, don't, you can't take every part of a parable and bring that into reality. But he wants us to get a principle. And the principle is that we need to be ready. Ready. We need to be ready for him. 1 Corinthians 6 verses 19 and 20 says, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, you are to live in a way that gives evidence to this in your life. But there's four types of servants. Now, let's look at the first type. The faithful servant in verses 42 to 45. Verse 42 to 44. You see their service, and then you see the result Um, what what actually comes to them because of their service. So in verse 42, the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them the portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Jesus assumes the servant, fulfills the responsibility, and goes right to the blessing of it. But this is a servant who is entrusted with responsibility. And he actually carries it out. This person is the faithful and wise servant. And what is the result of that? Verse 44. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. And so the master goes away. The servant is entrusted with certain responsibilities. And if he is faithful in executing that, when the master comes back, he puts him over everything. You have shown faithfulness. And so therefore... I'm going to give you a reward. That's the faithful servant. And Jesus says, blessed is that person. And that's the way we are to live our lives. Jesus has entrusted to us responsibilities. We have our responsibilities to him as we await his coming. And Jesus wants us to be faithful that everyone in here has been given a gift. A spiritual gift to build up the body. Everyone, Everyone in this room has been entrusted with evangelism. And taking the gospel to the world. And that's our responsibility. Think about what does that mean here at La Habra. For us to be faithful in what God has called us to. See this this passage forces us to stop and take stock of our life. And say God has blessed me with certain gifts. God has blessed me with certain realms of influence. God has blessed me with certain financial or Um, resources that I have at my disposal, am I stewarding them until he comes back? It doesn't matter if it's a big bank account or lots of giftedness that you have or people that you come into contact with. How are you resourcing that for his glory? To be a faithful servant, to be faithful and wise in what we're doing. But notice the second servant. This is the blatantly disobedient servant. In verse 45, it says this, but if the servant says to himself, okay, he's been entrusted with this very this responsibility, he says to himself, instead of being obedient, my master's delayed in coming. And he begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. So this is one who is not interested, totally unconcerned with what the master has to say. He's not going to be ready. And ultimately what Jesus is saying is this is not a follower of Jesus. Followers of Jesus don't live in this kind of way. Followers of Jesus are not completely unconcerned with what the master has said. And so what is the result here? The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour when he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. I mean literally cut him in two. Although his life's not ended, why? Because he's put with the unfaithful. And again, if you look over in Matthew chapter 24, which provides a parallel for this passage, it says that he's put with the hypocrites where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, what is that a picture of for you when you think of weeping and gnashing of teeth? That's separation from the Father, isn't it? That's what we would call hell. That kind of separation. So I think we can infer from this that this is someone who is not even a follower of Jesus. He is put away from the Master, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so we've got the second one, probably not a follower of Jesus. So we've got the faithful servant, the blatantly disobedient servant. Now look at the third one in verse 47. The consciously disobedient servant. And I want to look at the third and the fourth servants together. The consciously disobedient servant and the ignorantly disobedient servant. But look at the consciously disobedient servant in verse 47. Jesus is going to focus in on what you know about following him. What you've been entrusted with. And that servant, verse 47, who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. In other words, there's knowledge of what to do, but there's not a carrying out of that. There'll be a severe beating with that. But notice in verse 48, but the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating, and so there's something about what's been entrusted, what knowledge has been entrusted to the servant that matters in the end. So although Jesus doesn't answer Peter's question, is this for um, us or for all, and Jesus goes right into being faithful, there is a, a particular focus that he's bringing to it. When you've been given much, then there's going to be a greater expectation. Everyone to whom much was given Of him much will be required, and from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Now, I want us to understand the point of what's going on here. The point is not ignorance is bliss. Okay, you know, if I don't know what the master wants, then I'm in good shape. You know, don't ask, you know, just don't try to find out anything, and I can just live in ignorance, and therefore my punishment will be light. Because the more you know, the more trouble you get into, so just stay away from knowing that's not the point here. Ignorance, not knowing to be ready or not knowing what to be faithful to, will also lead to a loss of reward. It's not just the, severe, the, the light beating here versus the severe beating. Remember the faithful servant got invited to the banquet. And Jesus said, blessed are you, and he serves them. And there's a feast that goes along with that. And so there's a loss, there's a missing out on many blessings that could be ours as a result. There's no bliss in being marginal or just not being in the know, unengaged with what God is doing in this world. We've already seen in verses 33 and 34 of chapter 12 that storing up treasures in heaven is wise. That's a good way to live. Store up your treasures in heaven. That's where to put them. And that's the way our life ought to be is with that kind of focus, storing things up in heaven. The point is, knowledge influences the severity of judgment. So evaluated according to their knowledge, what they've been entrusted with. And again, this was an unexpected twist for me because, again, Jesus is so merciful. Jesus is so merciful. But there's there's a certain giving to people that Jesus expects a return, the master expects a return. So ignorance is not the goal. You miss out on the greater blessings of Jesus. Jesus is exhorting anyone who expects the kingdom, who's looking forward to that day and believes that they are gonna be in that kingdom to recognize that he's gonna return with authority. There's a responsibility to him. If you are a member of that kingdom, if you are a follower of Christ or you are a part of what God's doing in this world, then you have a responsibility to be faithful, to be carrying out what he is doing in this world. Jesus is going to respond to his followers, but especially those who have been given much. So the question is, what have you been given? I mean, to be in the United States of America and to be in a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, what a blessing that is. And what do you do week after week after the word's been opened up and the the truth has been laid out there? What do you do with that? You've been entrusted with something. And how do you respond to that? We are to be stewards of all that he gives us. You might want to look later at 1 Corinthians 3, verses eight through 15. 1 Corinthians 3, verses eight through 15. And it's there where Paul says, we're building on a foundation of Jesus Christ. All of us are building on that foundation. And some of us are building with gold and silver and precious stones. And others with wood, hay and stubble. And it goes through the fire. And what remains? The gold, silver and precious stones. So live a life worth living. Keep that kind of focus so that what you're building on. In other words, every day of your life and every breath of your life. You are building on something amazing. And that's what Jesus has done. And you're a part of that. And you're focused on that. And you're living for that. But always keep in the back of your mind, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. To be a follower of Jesus, there is rich reward for that. But we're to be stewards of all that he's given us. And so when we come to this particular passage in Luke today, we need to ask ourselves, am I in a position of readiness? Am I, steward, am I stewarding all that God has given me? Now, what does it mean to be dressed in readiness. I want to look at five points and then we'll be done. Principles for being dressed in readiness. What does it mean to be ready? Well the first, and I put this intentionally first because what we, when we talk about being ready, we're not talking about living frantic Christian lives. Oh my goodness, I've got to go home and sell the house and move to Zambia and start pre- proclaiming the gospel. Now, now look at my first point, resting. Okay, resting. What does it mean to be dressed with readiness? It means that your eyes are firmly fixed on Jesus coming back and you are resting in his sovereignty over the affairs of this world. It means that you realize that even now, Jesus is on his throne and anything that comes my way, he's big enough to handle that. Nothing slips through his fingers. The difficulty that I'm going through, Jesus hasn't lost control As I steward my life in the midst of all this difficulty, I'm reminded that He is on His throne and I can rest in that. But the second principle is waiting. And that is a longing for the day of Jesus' return. A longing for that. And maybe some of us need to just dwell on that a little bit today and just realize He is coming back. He is. I can live in light of that. And we need to let this be Developing in us an increasing readiness. There's nothing wrong with waking up in the morning and saying, perhaps today. So how am I going to live my life today? Because today could be the day. And I'm resting, he's on his throne, but I'm waiting because I know he's coming back. What does it mean to do that? Just to be waiting for that. It's interesting in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Um, James admonishes the people he's writing to that we say, Hey, I'm making all these big plans. Next year, I'm going to start a, another business over here. And the f- year after that, it's going to be another business. It's going to become multi million dollar. I'm, I'm just 10 years from now, and then 15 years from now. I'm gonna read. And James says, You ought to say, if the Lord wills, because you don't even know if you're going to have breath tomorrow. And when I thought about that, I thought, not only do we not know when death is going to come and then we meet Jesus, but also we don't know when we're going to be alive and Jesus comes back. We're to be developing that kind of readiness in our lives. Third point, resting, waiting, now serving. Serving. And that's what it means to be a part of a body of believers, and that's being a good steward of what God has entrusted us with. And so we use our gifts. We use our abilities. We lead people in the power of the Holy Spirit toward the Lord, inviting them into a deeper relationship. We're priests, and that's what priests do. Here's everybody, and as priests, we bring them to the Lord. If it's a believer, we bring them to a deeper relationship with the Lord. If they're not a believer, we evangelize them so they can meet the Lord. But that's our, that's our duty out there. That's what we've been entrusted with is that responsibility of serving And so you think about the La Habra campus here for Redemption Hill Church. What does that mean for this campus? And maybe it's time for us to, to come together again and to stop and think, why are we here? What has God called us to? We know he's coming back. We want to be ready. We want to be in a constant state of advancing his purposes in this world. What does that mean for us? How do we do that together? How do we lock arms? And then fourth, We need to be growing. Remember, ignorance is not bliss. And so lingering in God's word so that our hearts and our lives are being transformed. Look in the bulletins with the Bible reading plan. Maybe you don't have any kind of focus in reading the Bible right now. This is a good time to jump on board and say, you know what? There's a plan. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to linger in God's word. I'm going to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going I'm to know more about what God's doing in this world. The perspectives class that I think is starting the 19th or whatever on the Whittier Hills campus. What a great way to be brought into what God is doing in the world. I want to know. I want to be a part of this. And so we grow in what God is doing. That removes this ignorance. And it makes us even more accountable to the Lord. But that's not anything to fear. That's something to embrace. I want to know what the Lord is all about. And I want to be a part of it in this world. Fifth point is exalting. In other words, loving Jesus and treasuring him above anything and everything in this world. Treasuring him. Deepening your understanding of salvation alone will cause you to treasure Jesus. You were dead, and he made you alive. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that, that truth ought to just move deep into our heart, into where we say, Lord, above all, I give you honor, praise, and glory above all. I greet each day with the desire To treasure you above anything, that'll put sin to death really quick in your life. Treasuring Jesus in that kind of way. Treasuring Jesus, seeing him on his throne will bring a readiness for his return. It will bring a desire to know more of what God is all about so that we can be a part of what he's doing in this world and just seeking his word so that it transforms us and gives us a perspective on how to live. And so we ask the final question, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you dressing yourself in readiness, girding up these loins? Are you ready for that? Are you prepared? And then we're also to be faithful until he comes. Let's bow for a word of prayer. I don't know what the Lord wants to send you off with today. But once again, truth has been preached We've been given it, and it's now in our minds and hearts, and Jesus wants us to respond to it. So, Lord, would you help each one of us? Would you, Holy Spirit, make the Word alive and powerful for us today? Lord, would you stir in us deepened desires to love you, exalt you, to know you, and to proclaim you? Lord, today, would you give us new resolves for 2017 to help us walk in a manner worthy of the gospel, in a manner that looks for your return. So, Lord, do your work in each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.